2021. With over 20 years experience as a nutritionist, a New Yorker, Lorraine Peratta is my guest today, who is a fellow of the Institute for Optimum Nutrition, ION, where she trained with me as a nutritional therapist back in the 90s. Lorraine is the senior clinical nutritionist at ION's not-for-profit clinic, the Brain Biocenter in Richmond, just outside of London. Lorraine is also a member of the uh, British Association of Nutritional Therapy and Lifestyle and the Complementary and Natural Healthcare Council, and has also authored an excellent book, Food for Thought. So welcome, Lorraine. Thank you, Patrick. How did you get Glad into to nutrition? What was the beginning of all of this for you? Um, I think I've always been interested in seeing the impact of changing in my own diet and how I felt and how, you know, my skin looked. But um, really, uh, getting into nutrition for mental health, I have you to thank for. How come? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, just as I qualified, you were holding a conference, a nutrition conference, and in the, you asked me to help out with some of the speakers. And at the dinner, after one of the evenings of the conference, I was sat next to a, Dr. Abram Hoffer, and he is the, uh, the renowned schizophrenia and nutrition uh, expert and researcher. And during dinner, he turned to me and said, Lorraine, I'm talking tomorrow at the conference. Do you think a lot of nutritionists are going to be interested in working with schizophrenia, mental health? I said, eh, probably not. You know, there's lots of people who are interested in fertility and sports nutrition. I think mental health is probably not one of their top areas. He said, oh, he says, it's a wonderful field to get into and I recommend it. It's, it's, it's just people having mental symptoms for the same kind of underlying nutritional factors that you're already dealing with. And it was those words together with your giving me that opportunity that really set me on the, the, the path for working in the field of mental health. And I am thrilled that I went down that path because of the kind of benefits and changes you can make in a person's life. It's uh, so interesting to hear that about uh, Abram Hoffer. He, he had this ability to just sort of say the right thing that would change people. And he actually treated over 6,000 people successfully with schizophrenia before he died in his 90s, just taking a mere couple of weeks off work. And I used to sit in with him when he was treating clients. I remember he would say to his uh, schizophrenic clients, what plans have you made? Um, for your life and what, you, what are you going to do when you get well? And uh, this was a wonderfully uh, encouraging and opening uh, sort of challenge that he would make. Yes, so, and, so. and I use that same, that, that same question. I, I've, I've never sat in on clinic with him, but I, of course I've met him a couple of times and it was th those little tips that he used, I think that made all the, the difference um, to clients. And I've had clients who have come to me in the past and then flown to Canada to see him. And they reported back that he said, my program was very sound. So that made me feel pretty good that I was on the right track, Patrick. Oh, that's excellent. And his, his kids are great to talk to. Uh, his, his son uh, is now Professor John Hoffer, 
at uh, McGill University, a, a real expert in many things, including vitamin C. And because he was a Quaker and he believed every human being had three fundamental rights. One was somewhere they could call home, um, somebody they could call a friend, and three square meals a day. And when he had uh, patients who didn't have those things, he would say, come and live with us. So uh, his children have amazing stories of their life uh, with scattered with these different formerly schizophrenic clients who would basically recover their lives uh, living in the family of the Hoffers. <laughs> I don't think we're offering that uh, at the Brain Biocenter exactly, right? <laughs> no, not yet. So, uh, but we offer a very good service at the Brain Biocenter. Good. So. so you've really been helping people for over 20 years, I think. Is that correct? Yes, I qualified in 1996 and I, mm. I started working in, in nutrition and nutrition for mental health yeah. at that time, Patrick. Now, once again, you know, the brain is just another organ. If you're having problems with your pancreas and diabetes or your liver, you know, or, what, or your skin, whatever it is, the brain is just another organ that needs good nutrition. So um, have, you, have you seen a change or an increase over these years in different kinds of mental health problems? What are the main uh, mental health, what are the types of problems that people come to the Brain Biocenter with? Well, the types of conditions that people uh, uh, consult the Brain Biocenter for are varied. And there are the depression, anxiety, and insomnia category, psychotic disorders, and that doesn't matter whether it's schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder or a psychotic episode, um, cognitive decline, dementia, Alzheimer's, and we also deal with children's, with the children's problems, autism in that spectrum. So the things that I think that I've seen more frequently of late is a rise in particularly anxiety, insomnia, and depression. People that it seems to be a big problem, and I would say even in the past eight months, you see a lot more of that and people having trouble sleeping and feeling really anxious, Patrick. Yes, uh, we, did a, we did a webinar on exactly that. And I think this whole uh, COVID situation, of course, is creating an awful lot of, uh, of uh, mental stress and a distress, really. So yeah. when you have somebody uh, who is experiencing anxiety, stress, insomnia, uh, what are the main nutritional factors that keep coming up? The key factors for what I would say supporting all mental health, there's some real basics to uncover. There's always several factors that contribute to any kind of mental well-being or physical well-being. So at the Brain Biocenter, we're trying to uncover what those factors are. But the key ones to really get right are addressing nutritional deficiencies. And often this requires a supplement program. There is that blood sugar imbalance, and, and you've talked about this for years. And although blood sugar imbalance is not a contributing factor to mental health issues, it can exacerbate these types of problems. So if a person already has some underlying depression or anxiety or psychotic disorder or even cognitive decline, 
an imbalance in blood sugar is going to make all the symptoms worse. And then finally, I find uh, food intolerances to be a big issue. Now, when trying to um, address these conditions, the, the client really needs to embrace dietary changes as well as a supplement program. In dealing with mental health issues, dietary changes can be more challenging than for the average person in some other uh, field who's not suffering with uh, mental health problems. And it's challenging for anyone to change their diet, but changing a, a, a diet sometimes when you're just feeling down is not going to be that easy. So what I um, often suggest is that we start with a supplement program and little tiny changes in, um, in diet. And the thing about the Brain Biocenter, we don't just give people a big list of things to give up and to stop using this and stop doing that. It's little incremental changes and we support people all along the way. So the initial ones are nutrient deficiency, blood sugar imbalance, and food intolerances. Once you get that sorted out, it then becomes easier to create a more bespoke personally individualized program because each person's different and there are going to be different factors that we need to address, different nutrients that we have in our toolkit to address uh, the different types of depression or the different types of other mental health challenges. Patrick? And in, in the area of nutrient deficiencies, vitamins, minerals, essential fats, are there um, how do you test to find out what's going on? And are there some heroes? Are there some specific nutrients where a person says, you know, when I, when I started to take that nutrient, that supplement, I noticed a definite improvement? Yes, we do a panel of blood tests in order to identify uh, nutrient deficiencies. But the ones that keep coming up over and over again for people are zinc, magnesium, and omega-3 central fatty acids. Those seem to be key. We know that uh, B vitamins are important for mental health. We know that vitamin C is important for brain function. But those three, the, the mineral zinc, magnesium, Patrick, and essential fatty acids. I remember uh, Dr. Carl Pfeiffer had a client called Lisa who was crazy and her parents had worked out how to keep her sane. And the answer was very simple. If they gave her an oyster every day, she was sane. Uh, otherwise, she went crazy. And that's actually the origin of the discovery that zinc uh, is so absolutely vital for, for mental health. That, that's amazing. And, yeah, and, and, and it is. It's sometimes it's just as simple as zinc and, and also B6. B6 and zinc is, is particularly useful for the postnatal depression, mm. I find. And I've had many, many clients. Um, I had a, a lovely woman who came to me and she had, uh, at, after giving birth, she was actually uh, hospitalized within a few a few weeks with depression and she suffered with depression for 32 years and when she came to me it was we uncovered that it was the the pyroluria set up the b6 and zinc factor and when she took that 
within a couple of weeks, she was feeling so much better. And her, her husband said, this is the woman I married. And her daughter said to me, now I know who my mother really is. Amazing, isn't it? And the RDA, uh, the recommended intake of B6 is 20 milligrams. Is that enough for a person like this? In that situation, no. I would have to use much higher doses in order for her. People, some people have different needs. Remember, we're all so very different. And, and you know, the RDA, it seems so random sometimes. Everyone, we all wear different shoe sizes. We all, we all have different needs. And for this woman here, she needed a much higher dose of vitamin B6 and, 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 and zinc in order to, that, for, for her to just function normally. Now, going back to sort of anxiety and stress and mm -hmm. insomnia, obviously one can get very wound up about things in life, uh, often things that might be um, out of control. And when you do change someone's nutrition, given that presumably the same factors in their life don't change, you know, how well does that work? And do you have other sort of tips and ways of helping people get back into control in their life yes for anxiety and and insomnia and often there are external factors and um people people need to address those sometimes through talking therapies. But what I always say to people like this, because people have come to me and said, I've done all sorts of talking therapies and they don't seem to work. And I feel that nutrition can offer people a mental and emotional stamina that allows them to work through certain types of anxiety and that alone a lot and, and people have said I've, I've been in therapy for 20 years it was only when I started taking the supplements and changing my diet that I actually found that I could work through and face some of the changes and and, and some of the challenges um, that made me anxious now that's one extreme another is the person who is so anxious anxious and I, and I had one young woman she could not get onto a, a tube in the morning to get to work she could not get on public transportation her heart would be she would be shaking and she'd have to go back home she would have what she described as a panic attack when looking at her diet she had a cup of tea or two cups of tea in the morning with sugar she had a couple of slices of toast with jam and i suggested that she just change her breakfast to not have something that would cause such a, a glycemic fluctuation for her and of course within two days she was riding the public transportation and that was just a simple change in diet so there's extremes and you need to treat every person as an individual and that's what i think the brain biocenter does and that's how the the a, a nutritional therapist approaches this it's not kind of one ill one pill and it's like as little as don't have so much sugar for breakfast and caffeine to okay let's give you enough stamina to work through some anxiety and you know of course one of the most important nutrients in this whole anxiety insomnia area is um magnesium mm. I, I i worked with a woman who was a um a corporate vp in a big um international company her firm had centered i don't know how many different 
sleep clinics. And when she started taking a couple of hundred milligrams of magnesium every day, her insomnia disappeared. It's not like she, it's not that it's a cure, but when you give the body the nutrients, Patrick, that it actually needs, mm -hmm. it expresses health. Mm. I've become a tremendous fan of Epsom salt baths. After a hard day at work, if I need to sort of unwind and switch off uh, Epsom salts, and there are studies that show clearly that you do actually absorb some magnesium from that. Yeah. So a, a perfect, a perfect way to get some magnesium and in a bath as well. That's got to be uh, helping to relax uh, your, your body as well as giving your body the nutrients to, to relax. So let's, uh, let's talk about depression. And also, mm -hmm. um, do you find a lot of the clients who come to you with depression are already on antidepressants? In fact, most people who come to the Brain Biocenter are on medication. I think people think of nutrition as a last resort rather than as a first mode of, of uh, treatment. So most people are on antidepressants or antipsychotics or various, mm -hmm. various medications for their, their condition. But that's fine. I think... Um, that uh, we're, we're happy to work with that. I think many people come to the Brain Biocenter asking if they can get off their medication. And there's a couple of reasons why people want to stop their medication. And that's because they have side effects or they don't work. And a good nutritional program helps with both of those. A good nutritional program can relieve many of the side effects of medication and also helps medication work better. And I, I think that medication is trying to tell the body to do something and the nutrients are required in order to carry out this instruction. So often people need less medication. Some people need no medication as they pivot to a nutritional program. But my, my view when someone comes in just wanting to get off medication is to find out why they want to get off medication. And also, I, 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 I quote Dr. Hoffer because he used to consider a cure that if a person had um, social, socialized with friends and family, could hold down a job and also pay income tax. So if I can get a person to function in those ways, and it requires a certain uh, diet and also certain um, nutritional supplements, as well as a small amount of medication in some cases, then I think if that person can function in life, I, they are very happy. And I don't know how, what your view is, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I'd be very interested. I mean, generally speaking, what percentage of people with depression do end up uh, coming off antidepressants and being stable and healthy and good. Yes, I would say we're looking at 30 to 40 percent. Mm -hmm. And it probably depends a lot on how long they've been on medication. Mm -hmm. And have you got some sort of hero uh, nutrients or, or things that you always are going to check for when you have somebody with depression? 
Yes, what I would would look at, because when we're looking at depression, we're looking at what kind of depression, how does it manifest itself? And for people, it can often fall in one or both of these two categories. One is just feeling very dark and very sad and everything is just black. The other type of depression is sort of just being apathetic and unmotivated. And sometimes one leads to the other, we, we often find. But in looking at that very sad um, kind of depression, that is it usually requires a, a help in with serotonin. And we're looking at things like 5-HTP and the various B vitamins and, and working with that. Now, you don't just add that in when someone's on an antidepressant, you need to sort of uh, wean and uh, pivot from one to the other. On the other hand, a person who's, who lacks motivation and is apathetic often responds, and they respond very well to tyrosine. Those people, I think, would, um, if, if they're on medication at all, they would find it much easier to, to come off the medication because for that lack of motivation, tyrosine just gives them that extra that extra boost of, of, of neurotransmitters that they need, the noradrenaline uh, uh, that they need to, to carry out their daily functions and, and, and to, to feel a lot better. Interestingly, I've been looking at some pharmacology studies in relation mm -hmm. to 5-HTP. And the general conclusion, 5-HTP, uh, 5-hydroxytryptophan is the precursor of serotonin. Uh, the general conclusion is that it works but each individual dose doesn't work for that long. And uh, what they've found is that sort of sustained release, 5-HTP uh, works even better. And you also get a lower rate of side effects because some people, have you found this, have a, can have a little bit of digestive disturbance on 5-HTP. Has that been a concern for you? I find that this, I've always read about the digestive issues with 5-HTP. I have found very, very few people actually have that, have mm -hmm. that issue. I mean, from a small percentage of people in my experience, but, you know, the slow release would be a much better option for them and anyone who wants to get that type of, get that sustained trip you see the brain needs things on a, a, a bit by bit basis mm -hmm. in order to really feel good rather than that feeling good and then not that time yeah I, I i think that sounds like a good option for the um i don't find that much for the digestive disturbances mm -hmm. myself but it certainly would be good for them and interestingly in this particular report uh there's been a concern that antidepressants like you know the Prozac generation may block the breakdown of serotonin and 5-HTV might help to make more and to be very cautious about the combination of the two. But some of the recent studies have actually found and is recommending to give both <laughs> together and it actually makes the antidepressant more effective and, uh, and less likely to have adverse effects. And that actually this tremendous, well, not tremendous, but the caution about 5-HTP seems to be a little bit um, not really happening. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear that, Patrick, because, um, and it makes total sense 
that the combination would work better. I think nutritionists are super cautious with that, whatever, all of our clients. And I work on, you know, a kind of weaning and introduction that works very well when in, in, in it seems, I think we always err on the side of caution us nutritionists. <laughs> Now, when I first started working with clients uh, in this field, we had the potential diagnosis of manic depression, which was some individuals who very, very clearly went into a hypermanic phase, and it was quite cyclical. Nowadays, I hear of uh, even more people um, being diagnosed with bipolar, uh, as it is called, and I'm interested in talking about what helps bipolar, but also you know, is this a spectrum? You know, anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia. Do you, you know, are these kind of discrete conditions or how do you see that? Let's, let's before we get into to, to specifically bipolar, let's just talk about all of these labels. And People come in with a variety of labels where psychiatrists can't decide whether they're one thing or another. And I always say to them, from a nutritional point of view, it doesn't matter what the label is. I'm looking for the underlying factors and we're going to explore everything we can to find what factors are appropriate for you. And I think that's really important, Patrick. The, the label is not... The label is not who they are. That's something that the, the, the medical field needs in order to figure out how to prescribe. That's the, the label is not important for the nutritionist. So when you're talking about bipolar, and uh, it, it used to be that it needed to be characterized with a mania, but many people are coming in with a bipolar uh, diagnosis if they kind of feel okay sometimes and sometimes they feel very depressed without ever experiencing a mania and other people have that very what they call mania that very excitable happy mania type symptoms but without ever feeling really depressed i think that it is the body expresses biochemical imbalances and nutrient deficiencies in different ways. And we can have people who have a zinc and B6 deficiency and they express as anxiety or someone else expresses as depression or someone else expresses as um, uh, some kind of psychotic disorder. So with nutrition, you can drill down dig deeper and find out what's going on. I, I, I agree with you that, Patrick, that this is probably just a spectrum of labels. I, I, always, that's think, how I, view it. I always think that uh, uh, if I was depressed, I'd probably get diagnosed as bipolar. I mean, number one, we are in our 50th year of completely ignoring what Linus Pauling showed us about vitamin C and viruses. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of reasons to feel depressed. Uh, it, it could be a sort of normal reaction to some extent. Or oh, I love that saying, uh, depression is anger without enthusiasm. Don't get yeah. sad, get mad. But I'm sure if I was sitting there with a psychiatrist and they said, how are you when you're not feeling depressed? I'd say, well, I get up at five in the morning and write books. And they'd say, Definitely bipolar. 
And uh, <laughs> the cynic in me, I know that a lot of the anti-psychotic drugs got relabeled as mood stabilizers. So uh, the yeah. bipolar label allows the prescription of not only an antidepressant, but also a mood stabilizer. So it's a very good way to kind of double the, double the market, so to speak. Yes. Tell me about homocysteine and how relevant that is in relation to uh, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, and so on. This, this comes up in, I would say, when we measure homocysteine as part of the intake of um, tests that we do in general, is I would say it comes up in about 60% of cases where people have elevated homocysteine. And certainly with uh, the addition of B vitamins, it's all about the, the B vitamins. And we know that it's part of the, the conversion of uh, amino acids into neurotransmitters. And if we also see the B vitamins coming in to address homocysteine, and also I feel like the whole pyroluria, I feel all of those are connected. The B6, the zinc for pyroluria, the homocysteine, the cascade for neurotransmitters, it's all in my mind connected for your client. The homocysteine, for those uh, not aware of this, is a blood test which is an indicator of methylation. And methylation is a very important process that makes neurotransmitters and many other things. And uh, also, you can genetically be prone to not doing methylation so well, therefore more likely to have a raised homocysteine, therefore in greater need of B vitamins like B6, folate, B12, uh, and so on. Do you, have you had uh, clients with schizophrenia who have had very high homocysteines, and when you bring it down with the appropriate B vitamins, uh, experience a significant improvement? And if so, uh, in, what, in what ways uh, does it affect, for example, hallucinations or depression or, or whatever? Yes, I can think of a, um, it, you, uh, the use of uh, a gentleman who had very high um, homocysteine. He was in his 50s and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia when he was 17. And often we say that the, the, the sh longer the period you've had a condition, the, the more challenging it is to reverse it. But sometimes people who are just recently diagnosed may respond um, more quickly. And that's probably because they're younger and can also um, uh, change. This gentleman here, with the um, reduction in his homocysteine, and he suffered with hearing voices. And it was very interesting. He came back and we got his homocysteine down and he came back and he said to me, you know, I still hear the voice, but it doesn't bother me anymore. And I think that was really interesting because these voices in the condition of schizophrenia, when having hallucinations or delusions, the, the positive symptoms of schizophrenia can be very bothersome. But for him at that age, after how many years of, of suffering, over for almost 40 years of suffering, he said, it doesn't bother me anymore. And he had a big smile on his face. 
And I, you know, I'll never forget that. So homocysteine is a, is a very important um, test for any time people uh, come to the uh, Brain Bio Center for us. And do you find more uh, men than women? And uh, is it younger people, older people that are coming to you with schizophrenia? Yes, for, for schizophrenia, it generally uh, affects more men and it generally affects at adolescent age. So uh, many parents have found the Brain Biocenter very early on when, when their sons start to experience these symptoms. And that's very heartening because it's quicker to address because they're still young, they haven't had it for such a long time, and they have not been on medication for a very long time. And also they have the support of their family. And that helps when you're trying to implement a nutrition program of diet, of changes in um, supplements, regular supplement taking. And remember, Abram Hofer said, you need a three square meals. You need to have a good place to live. So having a home environment is also more conducive for, uh, for these young guys. But there are generally, definitely more, more men are, are afflicted with, with schizophrenia. And it happens very young. And it's interesting because when we first started the Brain Biocenter, as I said, the Brain Biocenter is often the last resort for people after going. But for now, we're finding more and more people are turning to nutrition, Patrick, to really address these type of their mental well-being earlier on. That's very encouraging. I mean, the general perception of schizophrenia has been, you know, it's a sort of mystery thing, uh, although it affects something like one in a hundred and it's not curable. Uh, all you can do is maybe control it, maybe sedate the person, maybe uh, help them to not harm themselves or others because the rate of suicide in, in schizophrenics is incredibly high. But can nutrition really help? Have you worked with people diagnosed with schizophrenia who end up without schizophrenia? Yes, I have. And it's, um, it's more challenging. However, I think that with the right program and sticking with it, these people have been um, medication free. And that's very encouraging. Would I say it's the majority? No. But would I say it's possible? Definitely yes, Patrick. And when people do you know, stick to the program, um, do they always get a benefit or are there some that just don't change? When people address nutrition through diet and supplements, they always get a benefit. Will they get the complete benefit? It, you can't tell from one person to the next. But I always think this is certainly a path to go down. If I was suffering with any type of mental health issues, I would definitely look to addressing uh, the nutrition side because they people always get a benefit. If they stick and comply to the program, they will always get a benefit, whether it's a 50%, 80%, 100% benefit, you can't tell, but it's definitely worth doing, Patrick. I came out of a concert a few years ago and this uh, young man tapped me on the shoulder and said, do you remember me? And I said, yeah, absolutely, how are you? He said, you saved my life, really. And his father was so worried because 
the son had had a, a, a major psychotic breakdown and was sectioned in a mental institution. And I told the father to go in and give him uh, a couple of grams, uh, a few thousand milligrams, two or three thousand milligrams of niacin. And it actually, it made all the difference. And uh, uh, that was the key to his recovery. So tell us about niacin. Do you find that that's helpful? Yes. Niacin is probably one of the, the key things for anybody suffering with schizophrenia, psychotic episodes, or um, like schizoaffective disorder, any of those labels. But what I find is, for me, in working in with people, I like to get them on a good nutritional program, make sure I removed all the other things that could be contributing. And I remember hearing a doctor say, uh, when a patient comes in, it's like they have five nails stuck in their shoe and they pull out one nail and they don't feel any better. So they stick that back in and they pull out another nail. And I think that niacin is one of the nails. And if, and, and the number of times people have come to me and said, I tried niacin, it didn't work. I said, oh, okay. I said, I think you also have a gluten intolerance. Yeah, I gave up gluten once, but it didn't really make a difference. I said, well, you know, there's also the B-bit. I gave that up one time and yeah, I tried giving up coffee. I tried giving up sugar. Have you ever done everything together? No. And this is where it's pulling out all the nails, identifying all of them, pulling them out. And niacin is definitely one of the nails that the lack of niacin for these people definitely can make a big difference. But I make sure everything else is covered as well because I don't want people to come to me and say, I tried the niacin, it didn't work. And that happens so often, but you have to do the whole picture. There's a lot of factors that you need to work on and figure out what they are for each individual. But niacin is always my, my go-to, but you were lucky that that's all the guy needed that <laughs> worked the first off on that, on that one there. He was lucky, I should say, and he was lucky he met you, Patrick. Thank you. And omega-3, do you find that that is really important in these uh, psychotic disorders? Yes, I think the niacin, zinc, B6, and omegas. Also, taking away food intolerances. Mm -hmm. I've had clients who are only um, psychotic when they had dairy products. Mm -hmm. You know, and otherwise they didn't, and, and, they, and all they did was crave uh, dairy products. So, yes. The, I, I definitely making sure all of the nutritional supplements and all the nutritional deficiencies, looking at all of that and covering that is important. But there's also some dietary changes that probably need to be made at some point. Now, talking about this craving for foods and food intolerances, I know that you focus primarily on adult mental health and your colleague, Olga Preston, uh, focuses on, on uh, children more. Uh, what are the uh, autism, ADHD, do you, without you know, going into the whole details of what's involved there, is she seeing more people? Uh, are more children being diagnosed with mental health? Is it a male-female thing? What's happening in the zone of children's mental health these days? Yes. Um, Olga sees the children on the spectrum, but in particular, there will be more males. And she's got a lot, has had a lot of experience in that area and working with all the different um, nutritional factors, including diet. And, you know, you're, you're, you're right to point out the cravings 
for um, foods. And I, I, I remember working with an autistic child myself who just was craved biscuits constantly and we had done a test for him and he was highly allergic to gluten and I said to the mother she said I, don't, I can't even not give him a biscuit I mean just he just wants them and I said okay give him gluten-free biscuits within three days he stopped asking for them because that craving for foods that he was allergic to and and he had a great recovery in cognitive function after that because you know food intolerances can really contribute to brain fog as well as um psychotic disorders and 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 lethargy and anxiety they really can mess mess things up and i got a feeling we're more allergic now than we probably were 30 years ago patrick and i think people don't realize that if someone is acutely sensitive to a food how little you'd need to trigger an effect and i think you are gluten sensitive aren't you yeah and i'm super sensitive i mean super how much sensitive. do you actually need to to react oh if i had soy sauce there's a little bit of wheat in soy sauce mm -hmm. i would react yeah. i would react immediately and i feel really groggy very, very groggy and, 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 and not able to really mentally function. I'm super careful, careful mm -hmm. about having any gluten. And you're right, it's, it's the smallest amount. I mean, soy sauce, how much gluten can be in soy sauce and how much soy sauce would they use in a meal? And um, so, yeah, I'm very sensitive. And even after all these years, and I stopped eating gluten in 1994, Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually sometimes after that, you can tolerate a little bit, mm -hmm. but I haven't been able to. Yes, you've got this area of food intolerance is very interesting. And I think you kind of have to pick your labs quite carefully as well. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's uh, IgG food testing. It varies a bit from lab to lab. It's perhaps not a perfect science. And for example, I recently tested myself on four different laboratories because I'm always mm -hmm. interested in, you know, seeing how they, yes. how they are. And, and three of them were pretty good and one of them wasn't. Uh, and it actually, I'm dairy sensitive. And it said mm -hmm. that I was okay on buffalo milk. Now, mm. I was a bit suspicious, <laughs> but anyway, I went and bought some organic buffalo cheese and uh, had a wonderful evening eating <laughs> cheese with tomatoes and olives and avocados or tricolore, really delightful. And then about half an hour later, you know, the sinuses, the migraine kicks in and it takes me a good 24 hours, if not 48 hours to completely, uh, uh, you know, recenter re and uh, recover really so yes it's an interesting area and it's very good to have a clinician like you who can guide you through the right kind of test and interesting yes, yes sorry Up yeah and, and you're right that the, the the tests are imperfect but these and i'm sure in another 10 years we'll have tests that are even better and more sensitive but i'm seeing a client next week so I look at the, the test results and use it as a probably a short list to look at. Often if people, it comes up. So people can avoid the foods and then reintroduce and see how they feel. At least we have some indication. The, the alternative is sometimes to go on, you know, a complete fast 
and then spend four months introducing one food after another, which is really impractical and, 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 and doesn't really work. I only say that as a, as, a, a, as a joke because you can't really do that type of thing. But so I think with these tests, I, I, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I don't think they're very accurate or they can be imperfect. I say, yes, but that's what we have today. Because otherwise, it's, a, you, it's very difficult to try and look at someone's diet and find out, oh, yes, you actually are allergic to onions. And you might not be able to uncover that just by looking at their diet. So I think that um, imperfect, but useful, Patrick. Okay, so we've had a, um, a fascinating tour on the nutritional front face of helping people with insomnia, anxiety, stress, uh, depression, uh, bipolar schizophrenia and kids with uh, ADHD and autism. Uh, this is what you and your colleague Olga Preston do and have been doing and focusing on at the Brain Biocenter, the nutritional effects uh, on mental health. So how does someone get to go to the Brain Biocenter? What's the process? Uh, how do you book? Uh, and generally, how long will you be seeing a client? Yes, the Brain Biocenter, first, the information is on, all you do is just Google Brain Biocenter, that's B-E-N-T-R-E, -E, Google that and you will find it on the I-O-N, Institute for Optimum Nutrition website. This is a training institution that Patrick founded in 1984, it's where I train, and they have an optimum nutrition clinic. And the Brain Biocenter is part of that. You'll see it right on the home page, and you can click on the Brain Biocenter. Then you get in touch with the Brain Biocenter, and you, we take people from all over the world. We're doing Skype consultations right now for people who are local. So we are able to do people from any corner of the earth. So don't let that stop you. You can contact the Brain Biocenter through email or the telephone number that's on the page, and they will send you a form to fill in. When you fill in the form, they can book, you can book an appointment with me or with Olga Preston, and we will be welcoming you. There are packages of one to three appointments. Have a look at that. Generally, I think for um, depression uh, and, and, and anxiety, generally at least three appointments. Many people, more serious issues like um, schizophrenia and like bipolar, I would suggest three to six appointments is what it probably takes. And it's good to keep, I, 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 this is so that we can review, I can review what's going on, review the progress, revise the program going along and, and actually pulse in different nutrient supplements to see if we can get uh, an improvement. Because I like to get a good solid program to begin with. And as the person continues to improve, 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 when you reach a plateau, then we can try some others, adding some other different supplements or changing the program. So I always say, you know, you're looking at three appointments over six to 18 months. And we help people along the way. I don't think people should be worried about the dietary advice that we're going to give because we always help you 
implement it with practical suggestions. We don't just leave you out there to try and uh, sort yourself out. But um, it's certainly, if I were looking to, for a friend or myself, I would start with nutrition first. I would always start with nutrition first because you, there was always some improvement. And in many cases, uh, a complete remission of the condition itself. So Patrick, it's, um, it was all down to you way back when <laughs> you first started me off on this, on this journey. Well, I'm so glad that you have uh, persevered and there's something about the New Yorker in you that I love because you just say it the way it is and, you know, keep going. Uh, and when people have mental health problems to have a really stable uh, source of wisdom, somebody who can tell them what to do, it, it makes all the difference. So you know, thank you so much for that and what you've been telling us here. And don't forget that there are a few resources for people who want to read around this. Uh, Lorraine has an excellent book, Food for Thought. Um, I've got a book called Optimum Nutrition for the Mind, which covers the whole spectrum of mental health issues. And also there's the very excellent uh, charity that we set up some 20 years ago called Food for the Brain, www.foodforthebrain.org. Um, but if you do really want a, a professional, an expert, uh, then do consider coming and seeing Lorraine Peretta at the Brain Biocenter or her colleague who specializes in children's mental health, uh, Olga Preston. Just Google Brain Biocenter and uh, all will be well. Lorraine, thank you very, very much for your wisdom. Oh, thank you, Patrick. It's always a pleasure.